In a bit of an unprecedented move, the Oregon House approved a $200 million funding package to address the state's housing shortage and homelessness crisis. I'm Elena Neal-Sachs, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Today on the show, The Oregonian's homelessness reporter, Nicole Hayden. Nicole has been following the two bills that include the funding. She's here today to explain where the $200 million would go. Nicole, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so first, just what are the two bills we're talking about here? Yeah, um, the two bills are HB 2001 and HB 5019. Yeah, like you mentioned, they were just approved in the House and go to the Senate, and we expect the governor to sign them before the end of the month, which is really fast. Yeah, and I should note we are talking on Thursday, March 16th, so it's possible the status of the bills might even be different by the time the episode drops. But um, I guess on that note, what you said potentially signed into law by the end of the month, do you know when the Senate's expected to to vote? Uh, I'm not sure, but probably in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Probably the next two weeks. Yep. Gotcha. And so assuming these bills do get signed into law, which it sounds like is very likely to happen, um, where exactly will the $200 million go? If you can kind of break it down, you know, piece by piece. Yeah. Okay. So um, the biggest chunk, about $55 million, is going to go to like landlord incentives and mass leasing programs. Uh, so local housing nonprofits um, would be working with landlords to encourage them to uh, rent to folks who are currently or formerly unhoused. Um, they would get things like assurances that, uh, you know, rent would be paid, things like that. Uh, nonprofits could also use the money to kind of rent out apartment units in mass. So say there's a building that has like 10 apartment vacancies, a local nonprofit could rent all of those. And so that makes it easier um, to immediately house someone because then we already have those in our possession and we can move someone like directly from the street into housing. So employing both of those two methods kind of increases the number of affordable apartment units we can work with. Gotcha. And yeah, what other what other things are in the in the bills? Yeah, so the next one we have about thirty four million uh, for rent assistance, and what this is, it's essentially meant to be eviction prevention. So uh, while we also want to get folks off the street, we want to stop more people from becoming unhoused, and. Uh, so this money would go to, you know, if someone is living on Social Security or maybe um, minimum wage or they lost their job and just for one or two months they can't afford their rent or they get a rent increase and they can't afford that increase. This is just temporary one-time money that would allow them to get through that hard time to then, you know, either find a cheaper apartment or find ways to address their income gap and keep them housed because we know it's much easier to and cheaper to keep someone housed versus once they become unhoused, uh, it's much more difficult to go through the system to get them back into an apartment. And then uh, um, this wasn't in Governor Tina Kotek's original ask, but the legislature came back and you know pointed out that um, some of this funding really wouldn't reach rural counties. So they wrote in $27 million for rural counties, and that's pretty flexible funding since you know homelessness could look very different 
in one part of the state than another. So this money allows, you know, local experts and leaders to use the money that is best for them. So some areas might not have, you know, enough shelter beds, or maybe they need services for like uh, wildfire homelessness, um, whatever fits their need, that money goes to allow them to do what they need with it. Then we have um, $25 million for youth homelessness. And while some of that money will go to bolster like local youth nonprofits, um, a large chunk of it will go to a state program that's already been active. Um, it's still a relatively new program, but it is kind of like a foster care program, but it gives um, like teens kind of more independence. So you uh, kind of act as a host home. You provide um, an older child or teen with, you know, their own bedroom, um, you know, their own space, and kind of just allow them to have their own stable housing while they work through things that they need to do. And then uh, there is about $24 million to add shelter beds throughout the state. And this equates to about 600 shelter beds. And while like in the Portland area, that doesn't seem like that much, um, considering we have a few thousand people living on our street. Um, that could go pretty far for some communities that don't have any low barrier shelters right now. Let's see. And then uh, there is $20 million to produce modular affordable housing. And this is really interesting because modular housing, which uh, you know is kind of factory built and it can go quicker. It's not bogged down with, you know, construction delays and product delays. Uh, and it can produce like anywhere from tiny homes to um, trailer homes to actual full apartment buildings with a hundred something units. Um, and so usually the state doesn't really direct what housing is built and they don't play such a integrated role like they are with this funding. Usually they give money to broad housing and then local areas decide how to use it. So uh, the state is directing local regions to be more creative in how they think about adding affordable housing so that it can go quicker um, since we know it takes a long time. Yeah. Well, kind of going off that uh, quickly, can you just kind of define what exactly modular housing is? Because it sounded like it encompasses a lot of different types of housing. Yeah, it's essentially like um, factory built housing that is built off-site. So like when you're constructing a new home, everything is happening on that site piece by piece. Um, modular homes can kind of be produced quickly in a factory and then um, you just kind of bring it to the site, put it together real fast, and so it quickens the speed of it. It's like how we see the tiny homes in Portland that you kind of just like connect them all together like Legos and they're ready to go. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then you also were talking about how this is, you know, kind of what makes these bills maybe different or, or important is that it's funding that's on top of just kind of the normal way that money is allocated to address housing shortages. Can you just get into that a little bit more? Like how does th this funding package fit into other funding the state is already directing um, maybe more indirectly toward 
housing and homelessness? Yeah, so typically we see housing and homeless funding come when the legislature discusses the biennium budget. And that's just like typical funding for each program throughout the state. What this does um, is allow local areas and nonprofits to not have to wait for that longer process. And it gives money right away, and it gives extra money that wouldn't be in that budget typically to kind of launch quickly into some emergency programs. So we're kind of talking about this as a down payment for things the state is going to add uh, to programming uh, in the future this year. And you also earlier mentioned that the aspect of the bills that includes money toward specifically directed toward rural counties was kind of an addition that was not in Kotex's original plan or proposal um, to address homelessness. It, are there any other ways that like these bills like either expand upon or differ um, from yeah from Kotex's kind of initial plans? Yeah. So another thing that Kotex didn't have in her initial ask was the $25 million for homeless youth. So that's something um, the legislature saw as a really big priority since unhoused youth have been increasing nearly as quickly as unhoused seniors, which is super concerning because we know um, if youth become homeless, even for a month or two, the likelihood that they become chronically homeless as adults increases drastically. So having early preventative measures kind of stops that process in its place, but also, um, you know, youth are really more prone to become victims of like human trafficking, um, assaults, things like that. And so anything we can do to kind of pull them inside, get some supports and make them feel safe is something uh, that's really important to a lot of service providers right now. Yeah. Assuming the Senate approves both bills and Kotex signs them, how quickly will we start seeing the results of the funding? Because obviously it takes time to hire people, construct housing, roll out programs, just all the bureaucracy of allocating money. But what, what do you expect to see in that realm? Yeah. So it's been hard to get the state to kind of nail down a real timeline of when they're going to get the money out. But they hope that once Kotex signs the bill, hopefully by the end of March that it gets distributed pretty quickly. And once it gets distributed, um, well, at least one nonprofit I talked to said they feel confident they could get this funding out to folks who need it most within six months. So that's pretty quickly. But there's also other nonprofits that brought up worries that, um, you know, they're getting increased resources, but not increased staffing. And a lot of you know, uh, social service organizations are really being faced with a hard time attracting and retaining staff because uh, they're just underpaid and it's really emotionally hard work. And so they worry that without extra funding for staff, um, they won't be able to move as quickly as they could since there's only, you know, limited number of employees limited number of hours in the day to try to do a lot. So that's something that's still up in the air to see how this is going to be distributed. Yeah. Is any of the money either earmarked for or at least available to be used toward like increasing the number of positions at various nonprofits or increasing the the pay or salaries? Uh, Because you, I mean, yeah, you mentioned that it's 
not the most attractive, you know, job for a lot of people, even if they want to be doing that work, just in terms of like, like financially, it's not necessarily feasible for everyone. Yeah, there's no uh, pot of funding that's specifically for that. And I think that's what some nonprofits were hoping for. But there are some pots of funding that the money is flexible, so it could be used for that. Some of this, there's like $5 million for culturally responsive organizations. And so those organizations could use some of that money to add a staff member to. I think some of the money for homeless youth can be used for that. So there's kind of really small windows of opportunity, but not enough where nonprofits feel confident that it's going to make a really big impact. And they hope that when the legislature starts discussing the actual budget, that that will be included in the conversation. But so far, um, I haven't been able to get anyone to say if that's something that's going to be a priority or not. Zooming out a bit, just from your perspective as someone who's covered homelessness for a long time, how significant is this funding package? Like, is it a drop in the bucket? Is it a game changer? Is it somewhere in between? What do you just what's your kind of bigger picture take on what's going on right now? Yeah, to be sure, it's nowhere near enough to solve the issue. We would need to drastically change how we fund services to really see huge impact, but it is much more than nonprofits have seen before. It's a big move by Kotec to show that this is really a priority for her. And the fact that she made some of the money flexible, that she made it shelters, uh, she wants to have low barrier. She's really tuned into what needs are. And for the people this helps, it will be a huge deal. So, you know, like it's supposed to help 1,200 people get off the street and into housing. For those 1,200 people, it will be life-changing. For the you know, more than 5,000 people that it hopes to keep housed and not get evicted, that's a pretty big number and huge for those folks. Um, so it is a really big deal. It's money that you know local governments haven't seen before. So uh, people are pretty excited about it, and it's really making folks feel hopeful. Well, speaking of hope, uh, you also just published an article like today or yesterday. I yeah. can't keep track. Um, just on results from a poll that was conducted among, I believe, correct me if I get any of this wrong, but just among people in the Portland area um, mm-hmm. on like how they are feeling basically about, you know, the state's response to homelessness and just paths fo- to address that going forward. And it right. showed better results than previous polls, not wildly, but at least uh, increased optimism. Yeah. Can you just talk a bit about that poll a bit more and if there, if you see any correlation So the poll showed that fully 62% of Oregonians surveyed said homelessness is a problem that can be solved in their communities with the right policies and resources. And those surveyed said that um, between the end of February and early March. So if we go backwards into 2020, um, only 57% had that feeling. And in 2019, 53% said that. So, you know, maybe like 5% increase in hope might not seem like much, but um, considering that, you know, folks are feeling like there was no solution and why even try um, any kind of extra hope, I think is a good mark. And then the poll also showed that people were really supportive of 
you know, diverting this emergency money to homelessness. They felt it was, you know, being put to good use. And uh, another thing that survey showed is a slight change in people's understanding of what leads to homelessness. And while a prior survey showed that, you know, most people kind of understood drugs and mental illness as the leading factor and fewer people understood it as affordable housing was the major contributor. Slightly few more people now understand that housing is the biggest contributor. And I think, you know, it's important to understand how we got here to this homeless crisis because, you know, that's how we'll set policies to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, Well, those were all the questions I had. Is there anything else you wanted to mention that we didn't touch on? No, you asked some great questions. I think it will be exciting to see how, you know, rural counties use the funding. And I think it'll be interesting to see how um, the Portland area kind of uses this money too. So, Uh, I think it'll be great because, you know, Portland is opening some alternative shelters right now and um, we have a lot of interesting things going on. So any more money to do that is an exciting thing to see. Yeah. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for your reporting and for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. To stay up to date on all things housing and homelessness, check out Nicole's reporting at OregonLive.com. As always, if you like our show, let us know by leaving a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts. And one more thing, Beat Check is taking a break after this episode as we prepare to bring you a new six-part limited series called The Unidentifieds. You'll be able to listen to the series soon, right here in the Beat Check feed. Until then, take care.